Good morning. Good morning. Would you take out your worship bulletin as we go over a couple quick announcements? First but not least. First but not least. Is that what's the saying? Last but not least. Okay. First but most important? I don't know. Happy Grandparents Day. Happy Grandparents Day, right? We're going we're gonna to recognize you guys in a minute here at the end of the uh, announcements, but let's just start off with that, put us in the right frame of mind. Uh, if you notice, we have to cancel, I don't even like talking about this right now, we've got to cancel our Ohio State meeting, and let's just not talk about it, right? Let's just not go there. I did everything in my power to will them to win. I had the shirt on, I had a hat on. I turned the game off, and they still lost, and so I'm depressed, and I don't want to talk about it. All right, so we have to cancel the meeting because we don't have our internet set up yet in the church. Hopefully, that's going to hook up about September 22nd, and then we can start streaming games and, and doing things in here, maybe watch some Browns football or, or the Bears or not Green Bay or Pittsburgh, anybody like that. So, Remember, this month is Alabaster Month. If you have your boxes, make sure you're filling those up. Remember, green is better. Uh, not better, it's just easier to count. So if you want to fill up with green, that's great. Uh, but we'll take anything. And 100% of what comes in goes to build churches, schools, help pastors, ministries, 100%. So give, give sacrificially to that, and we'll appreciate it. Speaking of giving, next week is Freedom Sunday. We're going to be talking a little bit about human trafficking, and we're going to take a special love offering for that. So if you want to contribute to that, we'd love to have you participate in that. Last week, I challenged you to contact someone in the church and let them know that you are praying for them. So uh, a lot of you raised your hand, said that you would do that. How did you do on that? Did you do a good job? G give me a thumbs up if you did that. All right, good. All right, good. Keep that up, all right? We've got a big prayer list today. We want to be praying for it. Man, stick that in your Bible as you're having your quiet time. Take it with you. Just be praying and lifting those people up. They need, they need our prayers, and I know they appreciate their prayers, and I think they appreciate it even more when you actually call them or text them or let them know, hey, I'm praying for you, and, and uh, I'm concerned about you, all right? Uh, yeah. Okay, all right. Had um, Nancy Rosenda's husband passed away? Nancy used to attend here. Um, yeah, we definitely want to be reaching out and helping out in, in any way that we can. Um, let's talk afterwards, okay? All right, um, I think that's all I have. Prayer Challenge, Food Saver, Freedom Sunday, Alabaster. Yeah, we're good. Grandparents, would you stand? If you are a grandparent, we have a gift for you. Would you, would you stand? What? Oh, do you want to come up and? Okay. All right. So uh, grandparents, grandkids are a gift, right? But so are grandparents. I know uh, in my family, we are blessed to have some amazing grandparents on both sides. I know that they are constantly praying for us that we can turn to them and we need something and, and they're there to offer guidance because they've been through all those things and just help us in the raising of our kids. So uh, I know all of you know that too as well. So we wanted to give back to our grandparents and just tell them thank you for, for being awesome grandparents. So I've got um, some Sweet Smitty's coupons here. And uh, can I get um, Ethan, Lydia? Would you take these and, and pass out one to each side, one to everybody? All right. And I, as, as they're passing that out, uh, we just want to pray for you. So if you're near some of these people and you can stick a hand on them, a non-COVID hand on them, and uh, lift them up, um, let's do that. All right? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for blessing us with these grandparents. Lord, we thank you for the blessing that they are, I know they are, to their families. Lord, I pray that you would watch over them and keep them, and I pray that um, they would just know 
how appreciated they are. We probably do not do a good job of saying thank you or giving thanks for them, but uh, we love them and we appreciate them and we pray that uh, you would just uh, be all over their lives. I pray that you would, you would remind them of how important they are, Lord, to, to raising up even grandkids, Lord, in that next generation. Give them wisdom in that endeavor. Give them a boldness in that endeavor, Lord. And uh, we just pray that they would be blessed. In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Let's give them a clap. All right. Thank you. Father, we thank you for today. Lord, we thank you for this service, this time to corporately gather and worship together. Lord, I pray that our attention and our focus would be all on you. No matter what's going on in our lives, I pray that we would look to you. Father, I pray that those out here who are struggling with something, I pray that you would give them the peace that only you can provide, Lord, and that they would praise you during the storm. Lord, we love you, and we give you all honor. In your name we pray, amen.
Save my 
the gates of my heart The veil in between was torn apart Now you hold the keys to the grave Cause you do bring things to light You rose those away All praise to the Lord most high All praise to the one who saved my life All praise to Jesus Christ High King of Heaven, my King forever. All praise to the Lord Most High. All praise to the One who saved my life. All praise to Jesus Christ, High King of Heaven, my King forever. chapter 6, beginning at verse 15. We're continuing on in the series. 2 Kings chapter 6, beginning at verse 15. Last week we looked at this, at the first part of this chapter, right? And we talked about how to get a grip when life seems to be slipping away. Today we're going to finish this up and look at the second story in its entirety. 2 Kings chapter 6, beginning at verse 15. Would you stand with me in honor of God's word? Would you prepare in your hearts, in your head, in your minds to hear from our Lord? Because that's what we're doing when we hear the scripture. Right, We're hearing from Him. What is He telling us? What is He communicating us to us? Let's pray that the Holy Spirit speaks to us during this time. When the servant of the man of God got up early the next morning and went outside, there were troops, horses, and chariots everywhere. Oh, sir, what will we do now? The young man cried to Elisha. Don't be afraid, Elisha. For there are more on our side than on theirs. Then Elisha prayed, O Lord, open his eyes and let him see. The Lord opened the young man's eyes, and when he looked up, he saw that the hillside around Elisha was filled with horses and chariots of fire. As the Aramean army advanced towards him, Elisha prayed, O Lord, please make them blind. So the Lord struck them with blindness as Elisha had asked. Then Elisha went out and told them, 
You have come the wrong way. This isn't the right city. Follow me and I will take you to the man you are looking for. He then led them to the city of Samaria. It was a 12-mile hike. And Samaria was the capital of the northern kingdom of Israel. As soon as they had entered Samaria, Elisha prayed, O Lord, now open their eyes and let them see. So the Lord opened their eyes and they discovered that they were in the middle of Samaria. When the king of Israel saw them, he shouted to Elisha, My father, should I kill them? Should I kill them? Of course not, Elisha replied. Do we kill prisoners of war? Give them food and drink and send them home again to their master. So the king made a great feast for them and then sent them home to their master. After that, the Aramean raiders stayed away from the land of Israel. Let's pray. Father, thank you for giving us your word. Thank you for this gift. Lord, we pray that we would revolve our our lives around it, that we would take it seriously, that we would look to it, Lord, and that you would instruct us, that you would speak to us through it. We ask that would be accomplished during this time. We want to hear from you. Lord, we give you all praise. In your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Probably a a better title for this than the one that I I gave Dawn would be How to Get Rid of Your Enemies. How to Get Rid of Your Enemies. Wouldn't that be nice to know how to do? I'm not talking about killing people or getting rid of them that way, but more controlling our part. Not everyone has to be our enemy, right? Not everyone has to be our enemy. We have more control than we realize on who our actual enemies are. I can't make the choice for someone else, right, on whether or not someone views me as their enemy, but I do have the choice in how I view them. And we have some responsibility in this endeavor. Romans 12, 18, I love this passage. It says, if it is possible... As far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone, right? There's two sides in, this, in that scripture that we just read. There's two sides. On one side, am I striving for this? Am I striving for that? If it's at all possible, live at peace. Sometimes I enjoy just getting into it with people. Sometimes I go out of my way to get into it with people. And I know when I do that, it's going to stir things up. Sometimes I know if I reply back on Facebook that something is not going to be taken very well. I know the way it's going to go. I know how it's going to stir things up. A lot of times I manage to catch myself. Sometimes I don't, though. And usually after the situation blows up, the Holy Spirit speaks to me and was like, I told you so, right? Not too long ago, I really wanted to create a fake Facebook profile just so I could reply back and tell people off. (laughs) The other part of this verse is God kind of lets us off the hook because it isn't always on us, right? It isn't always dependent on us. Sometimes you won't start it. Sometimes you'll try and walk away. Sometimes you're just doing what God wants you to do right? And it stirs things up. That stirs things up and other people might attack you. We know as a result result of following Jesus that the world will hate us. 2 Timothy 3.12. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted persecuted. What do we need to realize? Enemies are always going to be a part of our life if we're following Christ. If you don't have enemies, you probably aren't following in the footsteps of Christ. Because the more you do that, the more you do what God calls you to do, surely the more the enemy comes against you. Albert Hubbard said this, 
to escape criticism, do nothing, say nothing, be nothing. Do nothing, say nothing, be nothing. If you don't want to be criticized, if you don't want to have enemies, there's your formula, right? Do nothing, say nothing, be nothing. Hear Jesus' words, though, in Luke 26, 6, 26. Jesus said, Woe to you if all men speak well of you. Woe to you if all men speak well of you. Here's a key. Having enemies is inevitable, but choosing to be an enemy is optional. I can refuse to see people as my enemy. That is my choice, right? I can refuse to treat people as my enemy. Well, how do you do that? How do we do that? The first thing that we need to realize is that it all starts with perspective. We need vision, right? Last week we, we hit on this. The young man needed a different perspective, right? There, he's surrounded by the enemy, and God gives him a new perspective when he's freaking out. He needs to get past his human vision. If that's all we can see, we, we also will often see people wrong if we just look through our own eyes. The lens of Scripture must always be applied to how we see people. And if we do that, it will help us see people differently. What lens are you looking at people through? I hate going to the optometrist. Does anybody not enjoy going to the optometrist? You know, first of all, if you have that puff in your eyeball, some people aren't doing that anymore, thank God. But that, uh, I hate that. You know, you're just waiting for it to hit you. But the other part that I really hate about going to the optometrist is when you, you, you look into that machine and they flip the lenses and they're like, is one or two better? Two or three? Uh, that causes me anxiety because I'm like, I don't know. They both look the same to me. Can you go back? You, you only say, can you, you only really have about three times that you can say that. Can you go back? And I'm usually like halfway into it on 12. Can you go back? And even when they go back, I'm like, all right, can you go back the other way? And, and I'll tell them, I don't know. They, I have no clue. They look the same to me. I, I, I hate doing that. Which lens lets you see clearer in life? Number one or number two? Your, your human lens or the lens of Scripture? the lens of God's Word. There are many times in every week where I look at something and, and start to get overwhelmed by the army, right? By the army that's before me. And if I would only put on the lens of Scripture and be reminded of who my God is, that would help, right? If I would only be reminded of who is for me, that would help me see it a lot clearer and I wouldn't be freaking out. 2 Corinthians 5.7 5, says we don't walk by sight, right? We don't walk by our sight, we walk by faith. Scripture helps us to see people in a different light. In our story today, the, the Syrian army is blind, and Elisha leads them to Samaria, the, the northern capital of Israel, then they get their sight back and realize that they're surrounded by Israel and by the king and by all Israel's warriors. And the king's like, what? Can I kill them? Can I kill them? He's pretty excited. In this situation, though, Elisha wants the king to look inside of these people and see them differently. He wants, them, he wants the king to see what's their potential I know they look like the enemy, right? They came with hostile intentions. They came to kill Elisha. They've raided the Israelites before. But what is their potential? How do you see people when they look like your enemy? How do you see them? Sometimes we see people that are opposed to us and, and we really simply just see them as somebody to discard, somebody to avoid, somebody to fight with. 
God wants us to look at them through His lens, though, and see that they were created in His image. Right? See that they are in bondage to the true enemy. Simply, He wants us to see that there is a person in need of God's grace. They're a person in need of God's grace. Now, this person could be acting badly, right? This could, person could be attacking us. We're not excusing their behavior. We're not saying that it's okay. God is a God of justice, right? But do we see the people? Do we see the potential if they would be freed from the bondage that they're in? Do we see their potential if they would come to know Christ and turn their lives over to Him? Do we, here's the better question, do we even want to see that happen to our enemies? We need to be asking, how can I get to a place of compassion for this person? That's where I want to go. That's not often the place I do go. It's easy and it's natural instead to go to a place of anger towards that person. But can we see them as Jesus sees them? Remember Jesus' prayer on the cross, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Isn't that applicable to a lot of people today? He has a plan for them. He has a purpose for them. And he, he calls us to help them in that. Not easy, right? Nothing about following Christ is easy, though. If you want easy, follow celebrities. I want to get to a place where my prayer is, how can I be a part of helping people to see who they are in Christ, to see who Christ wants them to be? I want to be Ananias, right? When God said, hey, go help Paul, go help Saul out, right? And Ananias was like, Saul, the persecutor of the church, that guy who's putting us in jail, who's coming and attacking us, who, who stood there when, when uh, Stephen was killed, that guy, go help that guy out. Yes, go help him out. And he does that, right? And he gets to see Saul become Paul, great persecutor of the church to becoming an apostle of Christ, an apostle to the Gentile, to the person who wrote the majority of the New Testament. I want to be a part of that. I want to see my enemies come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. I want to see their lives flipped around. How cool would it be to have an enemy that becomes a co-laborer? Who's your greatest enemy right now? Who don't you like right now? How amazing would it be for them to be one of your best friends? The greatest way to see this happen, the way that Jesus modeled to help somebody in this change to get them to where they need to be is love. It's love. Luke 6.32, if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. Can we go beyond the obvious of this verse? I heard somebody preaching on this and they pointed something out that I had never seen before in this. Don't you love that when God does that through somebody? They said, even sinners love those who love them. So if we love sinners, even sinners love those who love them. How do we get through to people? We love them, right? Sinners love people that love them. Shouldn't that encourage us to love these people so that we can get to a place where we can share the good news? Sinners don't love their enemies, right? They love those who love them. So let's not set ourselves up to be their enemy. Let's not play that role. That doesn't mean we agree with them or we, we accept what they're doing we excuse what they're doing. No, that doesn't mean that. We can still stand for truth. We can still stand for God's word. But we can also stand in a way that doesn't put us up in opposition to them as their enemy. We can have a disagreement. 
Some people might not accept that, but there's a difference. You can push that or you cannot. Don't set yourself up to be their enemy. When you, when you love people that are coming for you, it throws them for a loop. It really makes it easier for them to take a step towards Christ. If we put ourselves up as their enemies and come back against them and retaliate against them and do exactly what they're doing with the name calling and everything like that, all we do is put distance between them and God. So how do we get to empathy towards them? It starts with how we view ourselves. Sometimes we're just too hard on ourselves. How could God love me when I'm like this? When we get to the place where we truly accept God's grace, truly repent and accept his forgiveness and seize ourselves as he sees us, it becomes a lot easier to extend grace to those around us, to those that are undeserving. Why? Because we perfectly understand what that's like because that's what we've experienced. We also don't deserve God's grace. And yet, God loves us enough to extend it while we are sinners. While we are enemies of God, he extended grace. If we follow in his footsteps as Christians, as little Christ, we should extend that, extend that same unmerited grace to those around us. It has to start, though, with a firm understanding in your own life, an acceptance and appreciation for what's been given to us. I far too often lash out at people and quickly realize I'm just ticked off at them because I'm really mad at where I'm at, mad of the place that I'm in. I can feel it. The more distance I get from God, the worse my attitude gets. I, I can feel myself starting to say things underneath my breath, unkind things, right, ugly things, and that is an immediate sign for me to check, where are you at? Where are you at in your walk? You need to get back in relation with God. You need to get back in the place of abiding with him. You need to plug back into that power source. If we choose to sin, we won't stay near him. We'll put distance between him and us. And if that happens, that will result in us hurting other people. We might not hurt somebody directly with our sin, but that lack of relationship with God will have a toll and we'll end up hurting somebody through it. When we realize how that works for us, right? When there, when there are things going on in our lives underneath everything that people can't see and it causes us to lash out, when we realize that, we realize why other people are doing the same exact thing. They need that relationship with Christ. They need that firm foundation. They need that base. And that's probably why they're acting so poorly. So perspective is number one. That vision that simply there is more going on than what we can see in other people's lives and, and there might be something horrible going on in that person's lives and that's why they're acting in the way that they're acting, right? We need that vision to see their potential, though, in Christ. This, this person who, who should be my enemy, I'm praying that they become one of my greatest friends one of my greatest co-workers in Christ. Second thing is that prayer is essential. Elisha prays a couple times in this story, and notice he prays the same prayer each time. He, seems, he prays the same thing for his enemy as he does his companion. Same prayer. That's because the same thing is needed in both situations. God, open our eyes Open their eyes. I often pray this for you. When you're going through things, Lord, open their eyes when they're looking at the mountain to the mountain mover, to you, Lord. Help them to see you. Help them to see past whatever they're dealing with to you. 
Or, or if I know there's a, a relations, relational issue, Lord, help them to see this, this other person as you see them. I pray the same thing for myself. When we can see God, does it matter how big the storm is? It doesn't. Don't forget to pray. When somebody comes against you, Lord, would you open my eyes to see this person as you see them? The king wanted to start killing people. And this is usually our reaction, right? Let's start swinging. We all know that oftentimes that does not turn out well, though, right? Well, we need to go slay instead of pray. Yikes. We're going to be in trouble if that's our attitude. One of the the texts that really speaks to me, that convicts me because it is so me, is the story of James and John, sons of thunder, right? And how they got their nickname. Luke chapter 9, Jesus sends the disciples out to find a place to stay in, in and amongst the Samaritans. Samaritans and Jews hated each other. I'm sure you, you know that. But Jesus was trying to reach the Samaritans, right? So he's looking for the, a place to stay amongst them. And so he sends his disciples out to try and find a place. The Samaritans reject that, though. They don't want Jesus to stay with them. And so they took it as a slight. James and John, they took it as a slight. And so they literally wanted to call down a bolt of lightning and incinerate them. That's Luke 9.54. Just this week, I was talking with a friend from work. He, he's the code enforcement officer for the city of Willard. And he was taking a beating online on, on social media about a post that he put up. And he's was just taking some hits, and I could tell that he was taking it really personal, and it was eating at him. I was taking it personal, because this is my friend, right? And so I wanted to come out swinging, and I literally texted him. You can check my text log. I said, don't worry about this. You know, don't let it eat you up. We'll get together, and we'll call down some bolts of lightning on some people when we get together. That was my response, and I was only half joking, right? half serious about doing that. It's one thing when somebody attacks you. It's another thing when somebody attacks a friend or a family member. God forbid, right? Then it's time to to slay. The Samaritans who they did not like rejected Jesus, disrespected Jesus. And so the Jesus say the word and we'll call down the bolts of lightning on these people can we do that right that's the question can we do that and what's jesus respond i love this luke 9 55 of course not of course not you can't do that right that's our lord and savior i love this because if you have ever thought the disciples were holier than thou or really godly people or if you have ever thought that the disciples were not anything but normal everyday people Here's your answer to that, right? Obviously not. They're just like you and me. They're just like you and me. Likewise, you know, I'm not preaching from some position where I have this down pat. I'm a lot better, but I still have my issues, my not-so-great moments. Just recently, I, I told somebody, hey, you have to move your RV when I said that, it just escalated fast, right? There's a big group of them. You never talk to a big group of people because they just feed off of each other. But they're like, who are you to tell me what I can do on my property? And I'm like, well, the ordinance says you can't do this, so that's who I am. You know, you need to move this RV. And then, you know, they start grouping up and they get emboldened and they start telling me and, and they, they say, you're just treating me this way because I'm poor, because we're not a certain place of town. And I'm like, man, I grew up in a trailer park in Illinois, right? I, I know what it's like to not have a lot of money, too. And that just made me even more mad, that accusation. And so we kind of go in, and then, then one starts to threaten me, all right? And each time we are escalating to the point where finally I'm just yelling at the whole entire family, either you move this or I'm going to find you tomorrow, and if it's still here, the next day I'm going to have it towed, Right? Here's their home that they're living out. And I'm telling them that I'm going to have that towed. That's where it got to. It just kept 
escalating. I could have handled that so much better. But I didn't. What was worse was the code enforcement officer, who's a younger guy, man, I just set a poor example, right, for him. Another experience where, where we told somebody they couldn't do something, and, and this person came in after working third shift. I think they even worked a double, so they were in a really good mood when they came in, and, and this person slammed the letter that she had gotten from me down on her office counter and just started to tear into me. And I started to pray. God reminded me, and I started to pray for this person. And God worked that, that conversation out a lot better. That person kept trying to escalate it, but God kept that all down. And it got to the place where um, I found out something about that person. They had been through, had a horrible tragedy in their life, and I could tell everything was just stemming from that. And when I, when I realized about that horrible tragedy, it was a lot easier to, to respect that person, to care about that person. Start with prayer. When you see that person coming up against you, start with prayer. Pray that your eyes would be open to see people as Christ sees them, right? My natural inclination is to be like James and John, or to be like the king of Israel. Can I kill them? Can I kill them? Right? And the person I've sworn to follow says, of course not. Of course you can't do that. Bless those who curse you. Lord, that is not easy though. Right? He's like, I know. I did that. I lived that. I modeled that. And I'm calling you to another way. Third point. It's an act of defiance. We live in a world with acceptable and expected ways of doing things, don't we? They're acceptable and in, in, in ways that Americans should act. The acceptable response from our culture is eye for an eye. The moment somebody hits you in the eye, your inclination is to hit them back in the eye or maybe hit them back in both eyes. That's our culture. It's like being on a, a movie set and somebody hands you a script. This is what you're supposed to say. This is suppo- how you're supposed to act. Follow the cultural script. This is your right. You have a right to take an eye for an eye. But this is in our culture. This is in our kingdom. This isn't, this isn't our script. We're a part of the kingdom of God. When you don't follow the culture, you stand in defiance of it. And that's what stands out. That's what represents Him well. That's what shows the power of the upside-down kingdom. When we don't react as everybody else reacts. Here's our script, Matthew 5.43. You've heard it was said, love your enemies. And Love your neighbor, I'm sorry, and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. I feel pretty darn good about myself when I don't pay back somebody. But Jesus says, take it a lot further. Take it, take it a lot deeper. He says, no, don't just not react. He says, love them, pray for them. Here's the defiance. I don't have to play the part that put people put me in. I don't have to play the part that people cast me in. Other people have cast me as their enemy. I don't have to play that role. I don't have to be the villain. I don't have to play that part. I can choose to play a different role. Some people will find you out that you're a, you're a Christian and immediately cast you as their enemy. You don't have to play that role. You don't have to play that part. That will throw them for a loop. Be defiant. Be defiant. Don't follow the world's script. Don't do what everybody expects you to do. Follow the prompting of the Holy Spirit. Do that and it will throw people off. Romans 12.20 If your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, 
Give them something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals of shame on their heads. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Number four, generosity is key. The king was told to give the soldiers bread and water. The king was supposed to give them bread and water. And yet, instead, he throws them a feast, right? They didn't deserve a feast. They were enemies. They deserved to die. But the king responds with generosity towards them. Isn't this the picture of the gospel? When I encountered the king of kings, I deserved the punishment for being his enemy. But how did he respond? With generosity, with undeserved grace. I didn't even deserve bread and water back then. I still don't deserve it. You know how many times I've messed up? You know how many times I've been the prodigal son? You know how many times I don't see people as I should see them and end up doing something stupid or responding poorly? Go driving through Chicago with me. You'll get a good view of me. What's God's response? He invites me to the feast. He invites me to sit at his table. He invites me to be his son. Even when I rejected him, after I knew better, right? Even when I rejected him after I knew better, what was his response? Kill the fattened calf. The son of mine has come home. I titled this Kindness I Didn't Deserve Because I'm the Enemy. Right? I'm the enemy. And I've experienced his grace and generosity. And it's so wrecked my life that I want to live a different way. I want to be an agent of that grace. I want to be an ambassador of that grace. That's why I follow this Jesus Christ. Because of what he extended to me when I didn't deserve it, when I couldn't earn it. What would happen if we followed his example? When I was at my worst, his grace was there, his generosity overflowed. What if we responded to people when they're at their worst with generosity and grace? He didn't see an enemy. He saw my potential. What if we looked at people with those eyes? What if God opened our eyes to see people in that respect? Maybe this will happen. Last part of verse 23. After that, the Aramean raiders stayed away from the land of Israel. The, the raiders or the raiding bands were made up of soldiers who are off the clock, right? When they were not at war, the soldiers would get together and form these raiding bands to, to earn money to get things from people, and they would raid the Israelites. They'd join up. But because of this generosity, what's it say? They never raided Israel again. When it was their choice, they no longer saw Israel as their enemy. That's the power of the gospel. You can attack someone and beat them, but they'll continue to be, their, be your enemy. They'll look for that opportunity to get back at you, right? What if instead we respond with grace and generosity? You might turn an enemy into a friend. That should be our goal. That's exactly what God did for us. We were as his we were his enemies. And he responds with grace and won us over, not by attacking us, right? Not by beating us down. He won us over by dying for us. Dying for us. And that's what he calls us to do, right? He didn't wait for us not to be the enemy. He didn't wait for us to come to him to try and change our life around, right? He died for us prior to that, to make the way. Matthew Henry said, the most glorious victory over an enemy is to turn them into a friend. 
I agree. Who's an enemy in your life? Want to get rid of your enemies? Turn them into friends. We do it wrong often, don't we? We do it wrong. Our 16th precedent said this, with malice towards none. That was the call on how the North should treat the South after the war was over. These weren't just words, too. These weren't just political words, right? Lincoln formed his cabinet out of his rivals, people that ran against him, people that opposed him. He simply said, who would be the best person for this job? And that's how he picked his cabinet. In fact, one time he picked, it some, picked somebody and they even betrayed him. And after they betrayed him, he still appointed them to another post to be a, a Supreme Court justice. And after Lincoln died, this man said of Lincoln, he was so magnanimous, so generous, it was almost supernatural. People see. People know. These Syrian raiders never forgot the day they got a feast instead of being executed. I'll never forget the day that I woke up an enemy of God and was invited to that table and became a child of God. Do you remember that day? Do you remember that change that happened? That motivates me every day to be more like him. How do you see people? Will you stand with me? Last verse, Ephesians 4.32, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. How do you see people? Can we, can we not see enemies? Can we see potential co-workers? Can we see them as our job, as our responsibility to extend grace to them, even when they're swinging? What an amazing opportunity for us if we'll see them the right way. When those times come, pray. Ask the Lord to open your eyes. That's the call. That's the challenge. Amen? Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for today. Lord, I pray that right now you'd put somebody on our hearts. Maybe that we're not crazy about. Maybe a person that continually comes against us. Lord, would you change how we see that person? Lord, that next opportunity when it, when it presents itself, would you help us to start praying? Holy Spirit, would you lead us in how to handle those situations? Would you give us the words to say, Lord? Help us to be bold. Help us to stand for truth. Help us to stand for justice. Don't let us compromise, but help us not to set ourselves up as the enemy. Give us wisdom in that, Lord. And Father, help us to be a part of what you're doing in their life. Help us to see that. Help us to see them as you see them, worthy of the gospel. Help us to pick up our cross and die to ourselves, die to our pride, and not react out of that. Lord, we ask this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.